when I had that uh, Caprice, <laughs> that Caprice in Birmingham, I had a Chevy Caprice, 95 Chevy Caprice, and I was working at uh, this hotel, and I was, I, was a, I was a food and beverage manager, so I wore a suit to work at that time. And I remember a cop pulled me over in Homewood, walked up to the window, put a flashlight in the car, and saw I had a suit on, turned around and walked off because I wasn't what he was looking for. He was looking for somebody in that car in a different situation. And when he saw I had a suit on, he was like, oh, you know, I just walked off because, but that is, that is, that is an inappropriate pullover. What up, what up, what up? It's Three Brothers No Sense. I am Tavares Ferguson, a.k.a. Ferg. Join my co-hosts, Buff and Rozzy, and we have a special guest with us tonight. You guys know him as that smart motherfucker. Rozzy, introduce your LB, reintroduce your LB to the people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brandon Davis, Brandon R. Davis, Dr. Brandon R. Davis, my line brother, a.k.a. T-Bone, a.k.a. P.H. Delicious. <laughs> hey, you can't call another man delicious on any, even with a P.H. in front of it. Okay. I didn't want you to always be the bad guy, Rising, but I had, to, I had to step in right there. <laughs> it was hilarious when he first got his uh, PhD. That's, that's the title he put on it, and we, we've been on him ever since about that. <laughs> we like that. We ain't calling him that. <laughs> I showed well, you. Did. Just I sure did. did. <laughs> you just did. Yeah, I sure did. I sure did. the first picture I posted after I did my defense. I was like PhD licious. <laughs> Only you, bro. Only you. It's still oh. up. It's still up on my Facebook. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't it's it be? <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? Um, but no, nah, you guys, like first said, you guys know him. Um, you know, we, with everything that's going on today, with the, the stuff that's happening in Georgia, we got the Chauvin trial going on. Uh, we needed to get that smart motherfucker back on so he can kind of walk us through it and, and and let us know what's going on on the poly side tip. So, uh, Brandon Trade Dog. Welcome again, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate y'all having me. Well, fellas, let's jump into it. How has your week gone? What's going on in your world? What's new? Man, I'm, I, I was tired, boss. Um, so <laughs> uh, just on the on the work tip, man, you guys know uh, PNC bought out BBVA and um, it's a lot of work merging two large companies. I'll just put it like that. It is a lot of work. I've I've been working around the clock and then still trying to kind of get everything together. Easter just passed by, had to do the Easter baskets and be the Easter bunny and all of that good stuff. So um, it's been a good week. But at the same time, man, like I said, I'm tired. I'm real tired. You said you were the Easter bunny? Yeah, I had to play Easter Bunny, bro. Like hiding eggs and okay, okay. I know you dressed dressed up or you know hopped around or whatever. I mean, because you did just call another. I mean, you just called another grown man PH Delicious, so I ain't know where where it just stopped. So I I didn't call him PH Delicious. I said he was also known as PhD Delicious. PH Delicious, not PhD Delicious. He he was giving us all the aliases. Yeah, maybe I heard it wrong. I'll let the fans decide. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of fans decide, man, I know you watched the verses, uh, Ferg. I did not. I don't typically watch those except for the one Jeezy and Gucci man because I knew it was going to be messy but um, 
I, I didn't watch it, but I still know a lot of people were pissed at Steve Harvey. And my question for everybody that watched that versus is, what did you expect from Steve Harvey? His whole career has been about getting gigs that are about him. The Steve Harvey show. Uh, Family Feud is about him. The, the Think Like a Man or whatever that movie was about him. Everything he does is about him. So once you heard that he was hosting it, why would you think anything else other than it would be about him? I'm just trying to see why people were mad about that. Yeah. And well, in my defense, I didn't even know he was hosting it. Like all I knew was Earth, Wind and Fire and the Isley Brothers. Yeah, they they so, only did it because he hosted. They wanted him there. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah they wanted him there. Hey, hey, you got to you got to bring your uh, friends up. Make sure they uh, own. <laughs> and Ryan Isley, can we talk about Ryan Isley beard? Like he had me feeling like some type of way. Like I'm, uh, I'm jealous now. So, I want to. I want to get me my beard. Okay, salt and pepper so, now. So, so now, <laughs> now I gotta agree with Ferg. You didn't call the man Ph delicious, <laughs> and you want to swoon over another man beard. Okay, you two. I say swooning over. I'm just saying. Two nah, it's cool. It's cool. I'm not swooning over it. What I'm saying is, we are a forward thinking show, sir. So if you want to, we're clarifying where your stances are. <laughs> Brandon, you can oh, save, save your LB at any time, bro. Just throwing it out there. I know he, he ain't gonna bump it in. Oh, I was on mute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I thought. I, hey, listen, I thought Ron was out there looking pretty cool too. I think he had to, you know, if I, I can't grow a beard, so I'm not in this conversation. I don't have no. I haven't never shaved a day in my life. So if I could grow a beard, I would like it to be all kind of colors. You know, I would have. <laughs> I would just kind of go with it. I mean, I, I, I mean. Yeah. I bet I had to stop shaving. My, I had to start. I had to start buying clippers just to shave my mustache because it started getting worse as I got older. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I used to have a nice little thin, nice little stash. Man, that stuff started getting thin and ratty. And like just, I had to just cut it out, man. It's ridiculous, bro. Those are those are <laughs> middle school problems. It's ridiculous, man. I'm, my my facial hair is going backwards in time. <laughs> you got that Benjamin Button face, yeah, facial hair? Yeah, visual, visual, just the facial hair. Like, my hair on my head is not falling out, but the hair on my face is like, we give up. <laughs> we gave you, we gave you, you can't like, have both. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, you can't you have can, both. Can, we, yeah, we can give you like 15 good years, man. That's it. <laughs> All righty. What's going on in your world, Brandon? Well, uh, you know, I got engaged recently. So congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, other than that, man, I'm just working, trying to keep up with uh, all this craziness in the world and, you know, the, doing this Zoom thing, online teaching and stuff like that. So uh looks like in the fall we'll be back um, partially in person. I'm going to do one in-person class and one on Zoom. So, um, you know, we're getting back to some some semblance of normalcy come the fall and I'm looking forward to it. I mean, are, 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 is your uh, university going to require va COVID vaccines? I know some schools are. Ha have they talked about that yet? I highly doubt that the Kansas legislature will allow the, them to do that. The Kansas legislature was actually saying that they wanted to get the COVID-19 funds and then refund every student that took a class online. Like people don't take class online when it was not COVID. So, so I highly doubt they're going to make us uh, or require people to have vaccines. Uh, all you know, but uh, I think that most people at the work at the university will have vaccines because they are already like shooting us up. 
the university staff has already been shot up, staff and stuff like that. And now they send out emails to get all the faculty shot up and graduate students, stuff like that. So I'm pretty sure everybody that works for the university will probably more than likely super majority or 90, 80 percent be, be shot up. You I'm not your, sure about the students. You got your vaccines yet? I got one. I got my first shot of Pfizer about two weeks ago. Riza, you get your, cool. your second shot this weekend. Buff, you're you completely vaccinated or? Uh, I think I'm the odd man. I did not. I was going to wait a full year to see how it affects okay. y'all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know that, man. That, uh, you don't want to, I mean, you got to be careful then if you're going to wait a full year because you don't want to, like, the side effects for men are devastating. Yeah. Man, yeah. They are devastating. If you yeah. get that COVID, man, you're going to get the ED. And Viagra does not work on this COVID ED. <laughs> it's, it's that bad. Yeah, so Viagra, Cialis does not work on this COVID ED. So, so you you spoke about uh, the the government uh, there. So, what's going on? Aren't you on like uh, some like safety um, commission or something like that over there as well? Yeah, I'm. A, I was appointed to the governor's commission on um, um, equity uh, and racial justice. And so what we do is examine uh, different uh, policy issues throughout the state. We have a bunch of hearings and, and the things like that. And then we propose these, uh, we give these like kind of like white papers, these policy recommendations to be able to make the state more equitable, uh, racially speaking. And also, you know, we, we look at things like socioeconomics, poverty and stuff like that too. Uh, the first one we put out last year was about criminal justice reform in the state of Kansas. Uh, this time we're looking at more of um, equity issues. So I'm on the uh, subgroup that's looking at economic stuff. And then we have one looking at health, uh, public health. And then another one is looking at education. Another another part of the commission. So we broke up into three parts. Nice. Nice. Sounds impressive. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm impressed. So, uh, Rozzy, um how do I put this? I heard you putting Sophie to sleep before we started. <laughs> so, does n- never mind. Uh, you got a joke for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, kinda, but I it, it's it's a math joke, uh, and so they're always funny. But, um, you know, folks always talk about, you know, Y equals MX plus B and, and all those jokes are fine and well and everything. But um, at some point, we really need to just draw the line on those. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. His, his defense is he works, he works better when it's not set up, when he's just able to throw it in there. That's, that's his defense. You know? See, Brandon got it. Brandon got yeah. it. I get it. I know, I mean, bro, uh, you, you always say I got that. It. We I get take, it. I end up taking Cal 4, bro. So trust me. I got yeah. it. Or Cal 3. I don't know. One of them. Trust yeah, me, bro. Uh, essentially, most of uh, the stuff I do is. Statistics, so it's a bunch of lines. It's a bunch of ordinarily square, so it's a bunch of Y equals MX plus B. It's a bunch of like... So you're actually yeah. using it in real life. So see, see, I don't, people I, I don't write it down. Like, yeah, yeah ordinarily, squares, <laughs> ordinarily squares regressions is based on that that Y, y equals MX plus B line. And since, essentially that most, most response, if you ask 100 people a question, most responses will cluster in a certain in a certain space most people are very alike and then you'll have outliers and the line is drawn through 
to uh, through uh, the cluster where it is closest to most of all all the points. So the line is drawn through the cluster where it is closest to most all the all the points, and the then the space between those points are like you know residuals and stuff like that. That's not important, but like the <laughs> yeah, it's a line. <laughs> Can we get a smart motherfucker button? <laughs> <laughs> it's a line. It's a line. It's a line. Well, did you cross that line today? Uh, I haven't done. I, mean, I, I ain't opened my state of the day. I use a, I use a software package, so it does most of the stuff for me. But I haven't opened state of the day. I mostly just did administrative stuff. I graded yesterday, and I did a bunch of administrative stuff today. So some dude canceled the Zoom on me. It's the second time this dude to cancel me on the Zoom. I'm starting to take it personal. <laughs> you should. You should. Yeah. I take those personal when I'm at work. Yeah, he, he, he hit me up. It's like, hey, I'm going to talk about this paper. And then cancel the Zoom. This is the second time he hit, did that and canceled the Zoom the same day. So I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to fall for just, that anymore. Just be petty. Yeah, just be petty. Be like, yeah. you know what? Fail. No, he well, Ryan, that's why I can't be a professor. Raz, I hit you up earlier this week and we were just talking in general. And that's part of the reason that led us to having Brandy on the show today. Would you like to kind of recap uh, the question or the, uh, the conversation we were having? Yeah, yeah. So... You know, we just, again, kind of listening to the show after the last week's show, and we kind of touched on kind of the Chauvin trial and everything. And Ferg kind of hit me up, just kind of talking about how we can kind of follow up and really get deep into what's happening with this and why is it kind of, it's different. And it feels like there is kind of an awakening of uh, the police force and everything. When you have folks like, you know, the chief of police kind of testifying against a police officer. Is it different? Do we think it's going to change anything? Do we think the outcome is going to change anything? Or even if Chauvin gets off, we were kind of just talking through, do we really think that it it is at least breaking the, the blue wall of silence? And finally, like police forces are starting to see that, look, if you say that there's only a few bad apples in there, you got to start mm-hmm. calling them out, right? You can't, you can't, Say, oh, those are the bad apples, but then you let them off. Uh, And I think that's what's kind of starting to show in this trial with the police force actually testifying against Chauvin. Um, So we wanted to kind of discuss that. And and that's where we were kind of thinking about who would be kind of best in our circles to be able to speak to it and kind of address it either from a historical standpoint, from, you know, a a political science standpoint, from, um, you know, the, the, the African-American history of it all. And I was like, Brandon probably can just tell us all that. And and so that's how it ended up happening. So Brandon, we just really wanted to pick your brain on just kind of what's happening, kind of walk us through that. And then just kind of let us know what's going on on that. Before you start, this actually started with your comment, Buff. I literally was listening to the episode uh, and your ending was kind of like, it's not going to change. And Part of me felt that like I felt where you were coming from, like no matter what happens, if he gets off, if he doesn't, nothing's going to change. But then it made me think about, uh, I guess, precedents being set. And could this be the great awakening? Could this be the beginning of something bigger or because it was so polarized, polarizing in the example of how he killed this man, murdered this gentleman? It's like, yeah, but it's going to have to be. It's going to have to be that same scenario where an officer leans on somebody's neck for nearly nine, nine minutes to get that same result. Or the next time somebody gets shot and killed, 
unarmed, can we lean on this trial to get the same result? So that's what kind of was going on in my head. It's like, it could be a good thing. So, Brandon, you can, however you want to answer that. Uh, we even talked about qualified immunity a lot, um, uh, mm-hmm. Rising and I, and how this might change that or certain states are getting rid of that. So, however you want to answer that, Buff, you're the other p- uh, political guy. So, I'm just going to sit back here and look stupid and ask questions <laughs> as I see fit. <laughs> Well, I, I would say I'm, I'm, pro, I'm, I'm, you know, I got, I got a foot in the, in the buff camp. I, I don't think, I think that uh, even with a conviction, this trial is not going to change policing as we know it throughout the United States. Uh, I think that, um, you know, I think that this trial is, is uh, getting attention and getting air because, you know, we're in the co- you know, this is, it, it was already a, um, you know, a, a more something that was more salient, this type of police violence. And then through COVID, more people on the Internet and more people saw the the uh, the video. I think that the trial is following the pattern that they usually follow. Right. So essentially blaming the murder victim for their murder. And in a sense, from from what I gained from the trial is that they're a blaming um Mr. Floyd for his use of his youth prior drug use or whatever, you know, whatever for the trial. They're blaming him for, you know, not resisting. And they're also blaming the people who watched him be murdered, saying that, you know, he didn't get up off his neck because of the crowd. Like there was some kind of people were pressing against him or something like that. But, you know, which is ridiculous. But I think that even in that, when you see the police chief and all the police department people coming out and saying that, you know, this is not procedure, this is not right, we fired him for this, things like that. I mean, uh, I mean that that is that is laudable in the sense that it's happening, but that's not something I think will be transferable to other police departments around the country. I don't think other police departments are going to start uh, breaking down their blue walls uh, to um, to ensure that. Uh, cops who do bad things are are punished. I don't think that's going to happen. I think one reason that's not going to happen is because police unions are very fragmented in such that a police union can just cover one police department. And so there is no continuity between the police and the sheriff and the in the in the state and the state agencies or the federal there is no continuity between those two things. So there's no reason to believe that other other uh uh Police departments would, would start, um, you know, breaking down their blue wall, per se, to to talk about, to tell, uh, to, to be honest about what's happening or to, to testify against uh, one of their own. I think that, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, I thought I'm bad at predicting these things. I thought Trayvon Martin Zimmerman would get convicted. Right. But again, think about this. that They said that to get Zimmerman off, they said that the sidewalk was a lethal weapon and that Trayvon Martin was using the sidewalk as a weapon against Zimmerman, who equally could have used the sidewalk, right? It's the sidewalk. He couldn't pick it up and smash it. It's not like, what's that, uh, that one on Netflix, The Boys? It's not like The Boys where you're a superhero and you just pick up a slab of sidewalk and hit somebody with it. It's, I mean, so they're still, you know, they're, they, they use all sorts of things to blame this or to blame, uh, you know, these deaths on the people who have been killed. And I think that that is something that the court or that that defense is something that the court is ill-equipped to battle against because that is something that is built into um, the American 
criminal justice system is built into the the theoretical construction of blackness of black males, you know, being super strong and super, you know, superhuman abilities where you have to use a type of strong lethal force against them and things like that. So I, I just I'm 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 I think I'm with Buff what I'm saying. I'm, I'm reluctant that this will I'm very skeptical that this will change policing, uh, you know, going forward. No matter of the decision or the conviction. No matter decision or conviction, because if they find him not guilty, I mean, that's just status quo. That's not that's not. I mean, you could get we're going to get upset and people going to march. People going to put stuff on the Internet or whatever. But that's the status quo. That, that, there's not a track record of, of police being found guilty of this. So the status quo is not guilty. So a guilty verdict uh, regardless of what they say, other people, we won't, we won't first agree on whatever. whatever. If they find him guilty of murder, even if it's manslaughter, that's murder. And so, uh, you know, that's something. But I don't think that will be like the straw that breaks the camel's back and not all these police departments like yeah. change their ways. Yeah, because I was, the re- way I proposed it to Rizzi was if they find him guilty of whatever charge, could this be set a precedent where the next uh, killing, because it's going to happen. So I never think they're going to change policing. I just want to think about the the court or the legal side of it. It's like, okay, people are going to do what they're going to do. But once it gets into the court of law, and I'm not freaking thinking that things are just going to be that great. But once it gets into court of law, can they go back? Well, Chauvin versus mm-hmm. the state, you know, mm-hmm. this is what happened. It's just how we got the conviction. Can they use this to their advantage? Or is there any, be- what's the best case scenario that can come from this outside of just a conviction? Or is that all we got? Well, precedent is important. You know, court precedent is important. Is important. Uh, if you don't have precedent, then like you said, you cannot cite those cases to say, you know, this, that, or, or the other. So precedent is important. It will be, it will be, it will set a precedent. But one case, you know, one case is not. I think it, it's a, it's a, it's a big brick on the way of building a wall around protecting people's civil liberties and civil rights. But is it, I don't think it will be the immediate wall to say that Derek Chauvin was convicted. And so now all cops can be convicted because circumstances are going to differentiate between the two. Now, David Chauvin, what he did has not a shooting. So, you know, a lot of times these, these individuals are shot, you know, so how is that going to pertain to a shooting? People will say, this is not relevant to a shooting case. Cause this is not, this is not a this is not a discharging of a firearm. This is not a shooting case. So it won't. I don't, I don't think it'll be a blanket protection. Now, if somebody else, you know, kneel on somebody's neck. It, it will be it will be highly relevant. But for the you know for other cases, as far as like you know, unarmed black person being shot, you know, it it, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been uh, it won't be as as useful. Policing reflects America. Okay, mm-hmm. so until the attitude and the racism in America changes. You're not going to see any significant changes in policing. And we've seen white police officers be held accountable for it. Uh, Slager, when he killed uh, Walter Scott, I think the officer that shot at the uh, brother that he told to reach for his driver's license. And when he reached for it, he shot at him in South Carolina. They've been held accountable for it and nothing has changed. And Ferg, you're right. But I want to clarify those comments on last week's episode. I wasn't necessarily saying things aren't going to change, although I believe that I just was telling people who were like invested in watching this trial and every detail in it that at the end of the day, what are you going to get from it? Like you're watching it to either be upset 
or excited, excited that he gets convicted. At the end of the day, he's not coming home to his kids. He's not going to be alive. And like Brandon said, if he's found not guilty, that's that's part for the course right there. We we see that all the time. So just try not to get so emotionally involved because it's going to be a letdown no matter what uh, the, the decision is. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I have the same kind of mentality. Like I have not been watching the trial like I watched other trials. Uh, I think simply for the fact is that I don't want to get invested and get let down. Like I have, I have spent so much psychological capital and well-being following these cases, thinking to myself, this is they cannot find this person innocent. How can they not find this person guilty of this crime? And then they do. And and then that's it. There's nothing you can do about it. So I think this trial I've been I've been following more so from articles and news reports than 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 sitting than listening to the testimony every day because I don't want to be as invested when the, when the verdict comes down. And quietly during this trial, I think like there have been like three police shooters that they decided on yeah. wh- where they were not found at fault for anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, one was a beating where the under, uh, I think the police undercover officers cop. beat the, yeah. beat the mm-hmm. undercover cop. cop co-worker. And they, were, they beat their coworker. <laughs> <laughs> they said because Dude. of the chaos. Yeah. They, yeah. they didn't know. They couldn't tell that he was one of them. It's not okay to beat anybody like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But you see, yeah, but you see how the chaos helped them get off. Yeah. And now Derek Chauvin's attorney is saying it was a chaos. lot of chaos at the scene. Could you see like, across the people, street? People, and, yeah. This dude, this dude yeah. tried to say the man was yelled at him. Like a bystander was yelling at him, so he felt like threatened or whatever. Like, man, come on, you're a police officer. You can't take being yelled at. And you got four other police officers around you, but that, yeah, you know, and so I get it, you know, and that's what made me want to, because I get, I get part of me wants just, just, I think we all want a conviction, but the way I was taking that Byron is like, even with a conviction, it's only going to do so much. Mm-hmm. And then that's why I start thinking about law precedent and court precedent in there. It's like, even if this sets a precedent, it's going to have to be under the similar situation. Where somebody has to lean on somebody's neck for nine minutes. It could happen mm-hmm. again and he leans on it for six minutes. Well, th- that's completely different because those extra three minutes is when he blacked out and yada, yada, yada. And they did try to resuscitate him after minute 10 or something like that. it's it. It changed just a little change in it is that's what's so crazy. You know, the guilty until proven innocent. I mean, guilt, innocent until proven guilty is one thing, but it's reasonable beyond a shadow of a doubt. Like that's what all they have to do is put any doubt in a uh, in a uh, juror's head, and technically they're supposed mm-hmm. to just say, you, you know what? I can see him being a little. Maybe the crowd did do that, and that maybe you know mm-hmm. all it takes one. We don't all have to say that say have that same doubt. All it takes is one person, and that's what's so so crazy. But that doubt on to me that doubt only happens. When is us? But or or the drugs, the drug thing. Oh. It's amazing oh, yeah. how people think that on, when only black people on drugs, we're superhuman. Like when other people use drugs, they regular. But when black people use drugs, it's like that movie Power, right? So you just get like all these super strength, super strength, and all these kind of abilities and stuff like that. I mean, it's 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 it's. I mean, that's that's as, as both saying that's racial. Like the but, idea but, that yeah, that black people. Are but like, what's so funny you know, about the mm-hmm. drug part is when his girlfriend testified. Uh, yes, yes, yes. She said they had a they struggled with opioids. We're in the middle of an opioid crisis. 
from oh, prescriptions. It's yes, it's a crisis <sighs> when it's white people. When a man yeah. is having his neck knelt on by a police officer, he's a drug addict. You know, it's it, it was so crazy. I'm like, oh, what? And we've been talking about that from, I think we even mentioned on an episode when they were talking about the opioid, opioid crisis and all of a sudden it became a crisis once white people got involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Ryzen, no, what you got for us? You've been quiet over there, man. I, I think that, I don't think the trial is going to change much. I think the entire process that we've gone through from the recording, the Black Lives Matter movement, all of the the protests that we've seen and everything like that um, has started to change things. So I I don't like Brandon said and and Buff said, I don't think that the blue wall of silence is going to come down uh, overnight and everything. But I think that what it will start to show some police forces is that if you do call out these bad apples, then you don't have that, that visceral reaction from your community. You don't have that distrust of your force from that community. You can actually community police and everything. Uh, if you did that, um, and that that's, that's what I'm hoping is that that community sees that, you know, look, the, the police force didn't protect that bad apple. You know, it, it wasn't them that did that. Um, and, and so I'm hoping that. But I do think that we are at a watershed moment for this when we look at a lot of these states that are passing uh, qualified immunities going away. They're not letting, you know, I think it was uh, I can't remember if it was uh, New Mexico or it's mm-hmm. it's one state that's already passed New Mexico. Um, that. Yeah, that they, they did away with qualified immunity for all public officials. So not just police officers. So I think they're the first state to do that. There's a couple of other states that are already doing that and municipalities that are already doing that. Uh, You see a lot of uh, municipalities that are changing. And I won't say defunding the police because everybody hates that phrase, but they're um, reorganizing. It is a terrible phrase, but what they are doing is they're reorganizing and they're putting more mental health professionals uh, in the street and um, they are actually responding. 911 is not sending police officers to mental health uh, emergencies. Now they're sending this new unit. So those things are happening and they're happening mainly because of just everything that happened along the Black Lives Matter movement that happened because of that recording and 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 the reaction to that. So I do think that this is a watershed moment. I don't think the trial is going to make a big difference difference in it. So the only pushback oh. I will offer is um, you saying this is this is the one time he's not being protected by the blue wall. He absolutely was protected by the blue wall. He was assisted by the blue wall. He was assisted by two other officers on the scene mm-hmm. at that time. Um, let's let's not fool ourselves. The only reason we have a chief willing to openly testify and other officers openly testify is because it was caught on camera from beginning middle to end. And then you're right, Rizzi, some of the outpouring of reaction really got people uh, galvanized to like say, hey, wait a minute, hold on. But it took a man to not just be killed. Like Brandon mentioned, we've seen people be shot. Mm-hmm. He was literally tortured to death live mm-hmm. on live on uh, on uh, social media. And In I front think, of people. Yes. And I think that's the only difference in the children. If, if, if this had been a little more hidden to where everything wasn't seen, mm-hmm, everything wasn't mm-hmm. noticed. I can't confidently yeah. say that yeah. people will be openly testifying against him. If it was just body cam video, 
you know, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I would, I, I would. Well, agree. they can say off camera this happened and off camera yeah, this yeah. happened, and you yeah, couldn't see agree. this angle and everything like that. Yeah, uh, he, I can see. He that. was still resisting. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. hell, they still trying to go with that right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though they, you know they said that he stopped res- resisting at like minutes five or six or something, so there was like no. two or three additional minutes, and then they were like, you know, um, they were trying to use the defense of the whole, uh, you know, fear for their life and uh, mm-hmm. split second decision. <clears throat> I'm like. It's not split second. It was like 523 seconds. Like, it's not a split second decision at that point. Like, let's, let's be honest yeah. about it. In, 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 insert Harry Dunn's response to that fear for my life uh, rhetoric, too. I love that yeah. response. Yeah. Uh, I, I would just say this about the um, the bad apple thing. So there, there, I don't, there's not a lot of, there, there is, there's not a lot of, uh, good data on police shootings. There's not a lot of good data on police shootings, namely because police departments are not required to report that to a central agency. So it's spotty and shoddy in the diff- different places that gather the data. They don't match all that type of stuff. However, there was this huge North Carolina has a system where if you get pulled over, they have to fill out a form to say why they pull you over, the race of the people who was in the car, what they did after they pull you over, whatever. And so we have like all this data, 10 years of pullover data in North Carolina. And what the and what the researchers found is that um, obviously people of color, blacks and Hispanics get pulled over more. Not only do they get pulled over more, they're more likely to be searched uh, for probable cause. So not like they for, for things that are actually happening for like, you know, uh, discretionary reasons. And they're less likely to get tickets. So that means they're getting pulled over and searched. For things they can't be ticketed for, which which is which is puts them in a more likelihood to have some type of physical altercation with police. And and the data also shows from North Carolina that whites are more likely to have contraband. So if they if so one cop is pulling over 10 people of color a week, the one white person they pull over is more likely to have contraband than any of the 10 people they pull over. What they also found is that it's not a it's not that in a department it is one person or two people doing this. So the bad apple theory goes out the window when you talk about pullovers, such that it is a general thing that cops are, are more because they don't have what the data doesn't have the race of the police officers, but the, but it, it's a general thing that cops in every jurisdiction or whatever pull over minorities and search them more than they do whites. So and that's it, it, what that what that data shows us is that it's not a bad apple thing. Right then, but that, but that again, I say a purpose that, but that's not shooting data, that's not killing data, right? That's the use of force data. This is pullover data. The pullover data shows us in North Carolina, which can be generalized to other states, that it is not a a bad apple thing. That this is just a general practice pre- predilection for police officers to be more likely to pull over people of color, and not only to pull them over, but to pull them out the car and search them. Uh, that also said, I think goes along with uh, what, what Buff was talking about. Like this is policing reflects racism in America. It, it reflects it reflects our perception of the other, of the racial mm-hmm. minority in America. And I think that goes a lot into you know those perceptions of of, of people being out of place. Uh, people, too many people being in a car, they must be up to no good or something like that. I think it goes to that reflection of uh, people perceiving blacks and people of Hispanics or whatever of, of, of you know, of, of being out of place and of being, you know, involved in things that, you know, they may have no connection to it. Like I remember yeah. uh, when I had that uh, Caprice, 
<laughs> oh, yeah, Caprice yeah. in Birmingham. I had a Chevy Caprice, ninety-five Chevy Caprice, and I was working at his uh, hotel. And I was, I was, a, I was a food and beverage manager, so I wore a suit to work at that time. And I remember a cop pulled me over in Homewood, walked up to the window, put a flashlight in the car, and saw I had a suit on. Turned around and walked off because I wasn't what he was looking for. He was looking for somebody in that car in a different situation. And when he saw I had a suit on, he was like, "Oh, you know," I just walked off because. But that is that is that is an inappropriate pullover. That is completely inappropriate pullover. And if I wasn't dressed like that, maybe he would have pulled me out the car. Maybe he would have asked to search my car. Maybe he would have handcuffed me. You know, something would have went wrong. I don't know. But like, you know, that's you know, that's just you know, that's just goes to show like kind of anecdotal evidence that you know these things are happening, and they're not happening because, as the data shows, North Carolina because of one or two cops in the precinct. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up because I I was. I think I I gave that. Oh, go ahead, Vert. I think that one bad apple is overused so so much because I think we we have to look at the normal the 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 normal mentality of certain people. If this is their mentality, yes, people step outside the norm. So you have your chauvins and people like that that step outside the norm. But is the norm safe? Is the norm healthy? You know, I, I look at mm-hmm. I always try to compare different and different aspects of life. I think about as we as young men or I guess middle aged men, young, young men who are uh, who grew up in that. What, you know, what Charlemagne uh, coined the rape culture as we're becoming more aware. There was a certain mm-hmm. norm that we were used to. But when you look back as men, how we reacted and how uh, as a group of men, we treated women, we weren't hanging with rapists or anything. But the average guy mm-hmm. probably was the norm for us is not it was not necessarily a healthy norm. And so I think the same mm-hmm. thing with the police It's not a healthy norm. It's just when especially I know three people on here were uh, being the bros. There was just think parties and things we went to that was just an acceptable norm that we mm-hmm. fell into. That should not have been. That's not acceptable. You know, it shouldn't mm-hmm. be acceptable. But we we fell into it. So I think that's the same thing that happens with police force. They're pulling over black people for no reason. Yeah, that, for, I didn't. For, I didn't beat you. For my political future, I just want to say that I worked the door at every party, so I didn't fall into any of those norms. <laughs> I was, yeah, but that's but he's, he's right though. I mean, like think about like the at Bama or at oh, I remember at Auburn, somebody got caught selling the white fraternity's date rape drug by the gallon like liquefied date rape drug by the gallon at Auburn, right? And that's nothing, that's like, we that would be unheard of at one of our groups. That would be unheard of. If someone like drugging people, that would be unheard of. But you get a little handsy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, we didn't think, any, we didn't think uh, at that time when we were young, we didn't think anything of that. It's part of the culture. Right? It's part of yeah, the culture. It was, it was the, the culture. police it, culture. It was, it was the, norm, the norm was, the norm was inappropriate. Right. So, yeah. yeah, but it was it wasn't so far that we would say, yeah, you could you could drug these women and take them with you. No, we're not going. Yeah. That's not. Yeah, that's, we're not going to let that. Yeah, and that's that's too far, bro. That's too, yeah. You know. But I mean, so you pull over I, an unarmed black guy, you might search their car, you might make their life difficult. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the average police officer is not going to shoot somebody, uh, shoot an unarmed yeah. black. But person. I think, but I think bus point comes back because if there wasn't this video, what those other police officers would have would have learned is that you can kill a man. And get away with it because we the police. And oh, yeah. We're, yeah we go, they, they, so the norm for those rookies, because some of them guys was rookies. So the norms for those rookies would have been, you know, you have to anytime a, a, a black man over five foot ten, 
you have to treat them like they are, you know, NFL football players or something. You got to handcuff them. You got to hold them down. You got to choke them out because you never know what might happen to you. And if they die, it's okay because you, you know, because that's how you got to treat them. And so it, it establishes a culture of this is how you treat this type of person. You know, this is how you treat this type of person. That's why cops get out the car and shoot Tamir Rice within two seconds, right? Because that that type of person is, with a gun is dangerous. Let's just shot the guy with the BB gun in Walmart after he yelled, mm-hmm. "It's not real," right? And after you know, after you know, after you know, all those types of things. And other instances where you have mass shooters recently, right? And even in the past, get taken alive, get taken to Burger King, right? You let people, certain type of people. Uh, you know, ransack the capital for as long as they feel like ransacking it. Yeah, you know that, that those same type of people can walk down the street with a uh, weapon, AR-15, open carry. Yeah. No, open nobody carry. question them. But nobody. you see one of uh, you see one of us walk down the street with an AR-15 open carry, yeah, and we're getting first. pulled over. Yeah, shoot first, ask questions later. And, yeah, and to get back to so, my uh, reflect America attitude, most of those cases, Brandon name were initiated by people calling the police on Tamir mm-hmm, Rice, mm-hmm. on Jonathan Crawford. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And, pe- and people, you know, and some people call the police, you know, I think out of, you know, some people uh, probably have genuine concerns, but other people know. Right. So other people know that, especially I'm talking about white people know, like, especially the great example of the woman in the park with the brother that was Absolutely. out there looking at yeah. birds. She knew, she knew I could call a hit in on you. She knew I have the authority as a white person. I can I have power and I can activate that power and I can use that power against you. Right. And I will and I will call in a hit on you just so I don't have to put my dog on a leash. It was a modern right? day Emmett. She tried to attempt Till, a modern yeah, day yeah, Emmett Till. Yeah. Emmett Till. Because yeah, the way yeah. she inflated her voice and everything on that phone. Yeah. <laughs> He's threatening me. You know, so. Yeah. Then she told her, I'm going to tell them a black man yeah. is doing this. Right. right? So, which literally, what she tell her, I'm going to I'm, I'm tell them to come kill you. Can you put your dog on a leash? I'm going to tell people to come kill you. Right. right. So, in some, in some instances, you know, but, you know, th- there's, a, there's an actualization. But, you know, I think that, again, goes to the culture, right? The ability or understanding, you know, having the white people knowing that they can navigate these racial waters in a way that could be detrimental to us whenever they feel like it. Right. Yeah. Whenever they feel yeah. like pulling that trigger, or not the trigger, whenever they pull like when they feel like pulling that cord, they can start it up. Call it's a trigger. So, yeah. So, so kind of that segues into kind of the second topic that we really kind of wanted to talk about is, is so they have this trigger, right? They have this lever they can pull. They have the law behind them, and so we really wanted to talk through these new Jim Crow laws that are starting to come up uh, these days, uh, like Georgia and there, we can't give water in lines. Um, but where are the lines at? They're in historically black areas. Um, you know, why do they have lines? Because you shut down a bunch of the polling sites or you understaff polling sites so that you cause the line, but then you say that it's illegal to pe- for people to bring water for people. They're making it harder to vote by mail. They're making it, you know, and, and then getting pissed when th- places like MLB, the, you know, Major League Baseball pulls the, um, mm-hmm. the, what, the All-Star oh, game, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mitch that's McConnell stu- saying, you yeah. know, basically, Mitch McConnell hit us with the uh, shut up and dribble for corporate America. <laughs> he, and yeah. said, he refused to throw out the yeah. ball. 
Yeah, but, oh, no, but, no, but like, think about but think about this. Back when they back when Obama was in office and they got the the Supreme Court Citizens United ruling that said corporations are people and money is speech. They were like, hell yeah, corporations is people, money is speech. Corporations say Republicans y'all shouldn't do this. Republicans say shut the fuck up. Shut up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Like, you, oh, can, oh, you can't be it, talking about politics, nigga. You, yeah, you just no, said. No. You just then, said. And, and then and, the funny part about it, Miss McConnell said, yeah, y'all shouldn't be talking about politics. You don't know nothing about it. I'm not talking about political contributions, but I am talking about you can't say nothing. I'm yeah, like, wait but, a but, 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 you, but, they, but they said Citizens United, corporations were people, money is speech. So if, they, if, so if the MLB doesn't want, it's a company, they cannot, it's a corporation, they cannot have the game there if they don't want to. What that they don't it's 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 corporations are people and money is speech as long as you support and finance Republicans. If mm-hmm. you do not, then that then 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 we got we're gonna we're gonna take your tax subsidies away and all this type of stuff. Yeah, but, they, they ain't say nothing to the my pillow guy. No, 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 because he's on their side, right? Yeah, yeah, but I mean I think the 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 I, I, the the new Georgia voting it shouldn't even be called a voting bill. The new Georgia restrictive voting legislation, um, I think is, uh, essentially par for the course where Republicans have been going. I mean, Republicans have been, uh, initiating all of these restrictions on voting to include, uh, gerrymandering, voter IDs, voter roll purges, limiting on uh, days you can vote. They, they have been inching towards constricting who was allowed to vote for the past, I don't know, decade. I mean, think, I mean, uh, Republicans what was it? Have, since they, since, since they, they, they haven't renewed the voting rights act since Obama got in. Right. Like no, they, they, it, they, it, they, I they think it, it only got renewed two years. And then after that, it, once they took the majority, uh, after the midterms, uh, the voting rights act hasn't been renewed, uh, since then. And so that's how the Supreme court overturned the voting rights act. So that's why they don't have to actually get all these laws approved yeah. anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. So the the, vote, the 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 Shelby v. Holder case invalidated Section Four B, which was preclearance. So that's so it bad actor states, namely the South, had to submit these new changes to the Justice Department, and the Justice Department said, "Yay or nay, could they do those things?" So yeah, after that, they state started doing all kinds of voting rights restrictions or whatever. So the the I think the um, the, uh, the 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 key thing about uh, uh, what the, what the Republicans are doing is that they, unlike Democrats, see the prognosis. They see the writing on the wall. Republicans have not won a presidential popular the popular vote in a presidential election. They have lost it in seven of the last eight presidential elections. They have lost the popular vote in seven of the eight. Last presidential election. And the one they did win is George Bush's second term after 9-11 and a war. So they only won it because they had a terrorist attack and a war president. They have not they don't have the popular the popular backing in order to elect a nationwide candidate. So what do you do? You they have chosen not to change issues or to or to evolve with the electorate. They have chosen to decide who gets who gets to vote. And not only are they restricting voting rights, another important part of that is gerrymandering. So most of the people, the reason, the reason you see like, okay, so the, the shooting in Colorado, and there's a poll that says 70% of Americans 
support universal uh, background checks. The reason Republicans don't give a shit about that is because most of them are in re- districts that are so heavily Republican, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. To them, it doesn't matter. They have gerrymandered those districts to where it's it's only a more republic only only a more extreme Republican can win that district. It's impossible for a Democrat. And the push is for more and more extreme Republicans who could out Republican you to get in those districts, which leads to other things like extremism, Trumpism, all this QAnon, QAnon, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it it leads to that, right? So, I mean, so they have been on this on this march, and the 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 past uh, the past regime on this big lie about the election was stolen and fraud. They have essentially jumped on that diving board and dumped off, jumped off to say that, oh, see, people don't trust the election, even though they're the ones that spread the lie and caused the confusion. They're jumping off of that saying, see, people don't, you know, they don't trust the election. So we need to have voting bills to to bring back, you know, people's confidence in the election. But they don't have confidence because you lied to them. Right. And like Mitt Romney said, if you want people to trust the election, stop lying to them. You know, and and I think one of the most egregious things in the um, Georgia law, and I'll shut up. One of the most egregious things <laughs> in the Georgia law is that they stripped the Secretary of State, who is usually the person that oversees elections. Why is that important? Because the Secretary of State is an elected official. Not in every, I can't say in every state. I'm rusty on my state politics, but uh, in most states, the the that that, that is a separate elected official who is accountable by election to the to the state that person they have stripped the authority of that person to oversee elections and they're going to give it and so the legislature is going to appoint unelected people to oversee elections who have the authority to dismiss county boards of elections and do what they want to do with that election what that means is when trump said go find me some votes overturn this election and find and, and find me those votes. Georgia can now do that in the next election run. Dang, well, Georgia can part. now do that. They can they can now <laughs> do that in the next election run. So when they say Jim Crow on 2.0, a lot of people are like, oh, they're exaggerating or whatever. No, they have literally stripped the Secretary of State, the man who came on camera, who got caught on that video, not caught, who recorded himself on that video, telling uh, Donald Trump. The facts are wrong. Your data's wrong. You know, you lost the election. They have stripped him of the authority he had to run the statewide elections. And they're going to give it to a appointed board who has the ability to dismiss county authorities and to recount and do what the hell they want to do with those elections. Suspend county election superintendents. And that's that's one of their new MOs, too. Right. Because uh, Alabama, they tried to do that with the, the school board. Mm-hmm. They, they tried to make it an appointed board instead of an elected school board. For the state. Yeah. I mean, that, that's 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 like, you know, that's a that's a major but the, that's a major power grab. And the reason that's important. Right. There, and, and the only reason that, you know, not the only reason, but the reason that's important that the that the that Georgia can do that is because of gerrymandering. So think about this. So there's a Pew Research Center polls, states or whatever. And essentially, Alabama is the only state in the Deep South that's majority Republican. And how majority Republican is? Like 52%. 52%. The rest of the Deep South states, Georgia, Louisiana, South Carolina, Mississippi, are roughly 50-50 or slightly majority Democrat. 
how is it then that these states legislatures are 60, 70 percent Republican redistricting? Redistricting. They have they have fixed the game such that they're going to have control of those states for the foreseeable future. That's why, you know, I don't want to go too far back. That's why Trump was so crazy about the census, because the census allows them to 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 redistrict. And so, you know, and, and because they have this power, the state legislatures, they can keep passing laws that restrict voting and they can ignore the will of the majority of the people within those states because they don't need the majority. Right. They don't, they don't need the majority. Like, you know, Republicans have what they call a um, a uh, 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 they're, they're overseated. I can't remember the exact word. They're overseated. So like Democrats in a state may win 60 percent of the vote and get 69 percent of the seats. Republicans get 50 percent of the vote and get 79, 80 percent of the seats <laughs> because because of how they district that shit. Because, because de- Democrats be trying to do the right thing. Do the right thing just trying, say, yeah. That's the problem. They don't yeah. play hardball. They don't play hardball. Mm-hmm. They just they, they for some reason, the Democrats don't play hardball. And who does the Republican Party protect, though? I think if you look at their their methods and who they protect, it is a. It's a calling card. It. It's a calling card for white supremacy because it's you are the minority now. How do we protect the minority? You know, that's that's kind of what white supremacy is right now. It's like, how do we protect our way of life? We are being overrun. So if the politics of it to me represents like, hey, we'll never be the majority again. But this is how we keep the power. That's all. That's all it is to me. It's just simple. Like it's it's a power trip. and 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 it shows America again. Like, hey. Caucasians are not, you're not the you're not the majority or the people that think like you're mm. not the majority but we can protect your ways just support us enough where we can keep keep you in power and mm. I, I don't see that, anything they, can, they, can we do they anything on the Georgia? majority is threatened too so even if they don't tell them they're not the majority they tell them your your majority is mm. going to be threatened and that's yes, why we have to do some at the border and all that stuff too yeah yeah it's mm-hmm. it's like I, it, it, is, it is I think it's exactly that and it's a thing like you said it's a power thing. Republicans are more interested in power than there are anything else. Think about this. They had the White House for four years. They didn't pass one infrastructure bill. They didn't pass one health care bill to replace Obamacare. They had the president, the Senate, and the House. All yeah. they passed was a Budget tax Budget deficits bill. the but, entire four years yeah, they had. Yeah. All they did was pass a tax cut that blew a hole in the deficit. That's all they did. I mean, but they they are in it for power. And I think again, there's a there's a um, there's a great book that my advisor wrote with, again with another guy called White um, Hard White, right? Hard White, Hard White. Yeah, thank you, Hard White. And then Hard White he talks about the mainstreaming of white nationalist ideology or whatever. And it and it jumps off from the Tea Party, right? Because we all remember the Tea Party came out and they were like, oh, you know, low taxes, but they was also burning you know, stuffed Obamas. So we're like, I don't know if that's mm-hmm. about low taxes. You know, I don't know what you got to do with low taxes. You burning Obama, you burning Michelle Obama, epithets of Michelle Obama or whatever. And that, and, and so what Trump did, you know, fast forward to Trump from Tea Party to Trump, Trump was able through Facebook to micro target these individuals in a way that only with ads that only you see. So like, so like these white people are getting ads that are saying the Mexicans are coming, they're taking your jobs, they're giving all this money to black people. You know, I can't, you know, I'm just being facetious now, but like all these bad things are happening, bad things are happening against white people. 
And it, it just drummed up like what we call outgroup resentment. So people who are not resentment against others or I, for white people, resentment is people, people of color. And they micro targeted individuals just to piss them off in the hopes that they would go out and vote. But what they didn't understand was that was going to fuel stuff like QAnon, you know, white, rise and white nationalists and white supremacy they, and things like that. I think you're giving them to like, did, did they care? They didn't care. Yeah, they didn't care. Because, yeah. because all that stuff, once they saw it, it's like, oh, we made a mistake. They tried to do the same thing again. It's like QAnon, there's no downside for QAnon for them. As a matter of fact, it gets more supporters because those guys are loyal and they can say the shit that the politicians can't really say. So they got more supporters. Republicans are geniuses. Because that, that's their thing, right? Is how do, they, they keep talking about how do we how do we make the tent bigger? How do we make the tent bigger? They gave up and on really that. really it comes down to their tent bigger is farther and farther right. It's more and more towards that white nationalist. They're not coming towards center at all. They don't want any of the Democrat voters. They they just don't care well, at this point. Not, they have not been the Republican Party has not been concerned about expanding their tent. You know, it, when when Romney lost to Obama, the Republican Party did an audit to where they say, okay, why do we lose? This is what typical campaigns do. Why do we lose? What can we do not to lose again? And the audit said, you have to expand the tent. You have to get young people, minorities, women. You have to expand the tent. And they just decided not to not to do that. <laughs> now, are, easier, are, are, are you guys sure about that? Because Trump's numbers, especially among black men, increase each election in 2016. Mm. And it raised up to double digits in 2020. So... We may not we may not think they're expanding the tent, but the message is reaching at least black men with Trump. Yeah, but I mean, but I mean, uh, um, you know, G.W. Bush, G.W. got like ten percent of the black vote. W. got like ten percent of the black vote. I mean, so like, I mean, I think I think he got more of the black vote than we thought he would get. You know, than he thought we would get, but I don't think he, I don't think the Trump campaign has made inroads into the black community, right? So essentially speaking. Uh, Hillary Clinton, the black vote for Hillary Clinton was reduced significantly from Obama and the 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 white outgroup resentment vote filled that void in a certain amount of states, like 70, like you said, like 70,000 votes to put Trump into office. So it wasn't that he expanded uh, across groups. It was that their their campaign effectively mobilized outgroup resentment. But and yeah, he did you, gain. Yeah, go ahead. I, don't you feel like Trump kind of targeted black men? I mean, because I know certain, certain people, like I have family members who mm-hmm. supported Trump because yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, t- they're taking your jobs. I literally had yeah. an uncle get mad at me because I was defending, you know, when we were talking about immigration, and he was like, well, they're well, they're taking jobs that once you get, you know, that uh, people get out of jail, black men that got out of jail could get. So you're like, OK, so you're mad because as a felon or as ex uh, ex cons, there are certain jobs that you can get. And now Hispanics are getting that. You don't see anything wrong about being a felon. You're just mad because they're taking the felon jobs. It's like, yeah, that, yeah, it, that's, it, that's, it's, that's- it's a. <laughs> They they, they like misogynistic it's, part it's, too. It's the, it's the they were able they were able to target those individuals and mm. say things to those people yeah, they that they wouldn't them, be yeah. able to say 
on a on a normal commercial, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. If, if we saw that saw. commercial, yeah, we'd call yeah. it out. We'd be like, oh, no, what, what the is hell this is this? Shit? Yeah, but yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, they, they micro-targeted people, individual people. And also, there, there's something about, because it, it worked for Hispanic men, too. There's something about Trump's brand of machismo mm-hmm. that appealed to certain men. That brand that. of, you know, I kick it over if I can't have it. I can, you don't give yeah. me no lemonade, I kick the stand over. You know, Especially. like that, something about that Trump brand of machismo did appeal to black men. It appealed to to Hispanic men and to, to a lesser extent Asian men. To your point, I, I think what happened is I, I don't think the Republican Party expanded the tent. I think Trump expanded the tent. Yeah. Yeah. Trump, Trump yeah I, agree, I can agree with that. Yeah. 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 Trump was yeah. his own party. Trump was his own party. <laughs> because I think Trump hit people. It's you got to think what was going put things in context. We hear so many men our age and older that feel like there's an attack on masculinity. Yeah. Trump represented what it is to be a man. He was kind of, he was misogynistic. Yeah. He said what he wanted to say. He was from the old school. You know, you got to think Trump until Obama really was, he was invited to the picnic. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of people that grew up on Trump. Trump was quote unquote one of us. He, you wanted to be Donald Trump when you wanted to you, uh, grow up. Like that's what people wanted. And then all it of a sudden songs. he gets into politics. And once again, I would say the average voter is dumb. <laughs> it is what it is. So they don't know that they don't know the politics behind it. They don't know the the legislation. They don't know any of that stuff. But they know Trump and they know what he says and mm-hmm. they know how he talks and they know what he talks about and. I don't know. Man. They they yeah. they they know what they see on the Apprentice and stuff, right? You know, Golden Escalator, mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, the, the, we what we would say is the average voter is unsophisticated, which means <laughs> which means that which means that they not dumb for can you say unsophisticated means that unsophisticated means that the average person doesn't divulge as much time as you three do to politics and, and, and the average day-to-day goings-ons, right? So the average voter doesn't really, uh, they're not watching CNN, they're watching like, you know, 60 Minutes, something like that. They may get a glimpse of news from their Facebook feed, from the Daily Show, from some soft news site, you know, from the radio, they listen to the radio and people on the radio are like, oh, in the news today, da, 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 da. that's how they get their news. They're not, they're not someone who, the average person is not someone who sits and, and digest, you know, what the daily goings on of the, of the country or the world. And so we, we would call them unsophisticated. But yeah, they don't, they don't know, they didn't know anything about Trump. And they, you know, and it, it's, and it's, and like you said, it's, it's, they don't know anything about the, you know, they, the bankruptcies, right? The not paying people. People who worked on his campaigns, so they're not paying a people. The the uh, uh, the Central Park Five, right? They, they didn't know that, that that was not something that was widely, you know, known or publicized. That Donald yeah. Trump took and, out and going back to the Democrats mm-hmm. didn't use it because they used it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you, if you think, he wouldn't have used it. it I, know, I know that's one of your things you 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 hit on before. Did you do you remember anybody bringing up the Central Park Five in any of the debates or anything against Trump? I think Hillary did, didn't she? But see, Rosie said they didn't they didn't use it. There was a lot of Hillary was the worst candidate for Trump to run against because there was a, <laughs> yeah. there was yeah, a lot yeah, of stuff yeah, yeah. she couldn't yeah. she couldn't bring up. Trump yeah. grabbed pussies. Her husband is a, a 
sexist, yeah, yeah. whatever. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So she couldn't bring yeah. that up. Trump criticized the Central Park Five. Her and her husband were responsible for the three strikes law. She was also quoted as saying super predator. She used super, super predator. Super predator. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. everything yep. that mm-hmm. Trump did, she couldn't hit him with too hard because she, she was linked to it. She was linked to it. Yeah. That was the worst. Of- 2016, when I'm sitting there like, this is the best America has to offer. <laughs> like, I had a headache thinking about that. Like, other, when we got back from, um, we were in Paris, that's what they were talking about. Like, yeah, <laughs> this is what y'all put up after but, Obama. But like I said, I, I I don't know if I was on the show or I was just like talking to some friends on Facebook or something. But I was like, politicians. The thing about politicians is you you it's either it has to be in them that they always wanted to be a politician, or they just are there for the check. Um, because like you can make so much more in the private sector. So if you're really trying to get the bag, a lot of people are not going in there. That why would I put my family through? all the scrutiny mm-hmm. and all the craziness that happens in politics when I can make two times as much in the private sector and, you know, do a nine to five and come home to my family every night and how to have to worry about all of that. So it is a niche of people that want to get into politics and, and that are willing to go through all of that. And so you don't get the the brightest of the bright all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's just is what it is on that. Yeah. Well, you know, and, I'm the, a- the, 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 I think, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Yeah, I, th- I think the vote, the voters like is the voting thing is key because uh, and I'll go back to it again. Republicans. have uh, They see the writing on the wall. Right. In 2017, Alabama elected a Democrat to the United States Senate. In 2018, Beto O'Rourke came within two points, two percentage points of upsetting an incumbent. Republican senator of Texas, two points, two points for the first time in 60 years, two Democratic senators for Arizona. You got and this is like especially uh, relevant to the to the to the voting thing in Georgia. They limited early voting in runoff elections. Why? Because the two Democrats won both them seats in a runoff election. They won them seats in a runoff election. Georgia, deep south state, elected the first black and first Jewish senator in the state's history, Republicans see, but they, 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 they see the writing on the wall. Right. And so why not exploit? Why not exploit people's fears? Right. It's not, it's, 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 it's less, it's, it's, it's less of a, uh, uh, hurdle to do something like that. When you see that your party is going the way of the Whig party, Right. It's going the way of the know nothing party, parties that dissolved into history that we never even hear about anymore because they are they are totally and completely unaligned with what people want. Seventy percent of the people wanted the stimulus package. Republicans, not one vote. They're going to pass infrastructure, not one vote. Mm-hmm. They're going to pass both uh, of the infrastructure bills, not one Republican vote. And, yeah. but and, 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 and what's going to mess them up, though, what's going to mess them up is HB1 because HB1 is going to pass. Uh, I, I, I see now this is, this is going to be crazy. Cause I, I, I think they're going to actually do away with the filibuster and it's going to come back to bite them in the ass. Uh, if the Republicans ever do get a full majority in both houses or the house and the Senate, but I think they're going to blow up the Senate, uh, the, the filibuster and they're going to pass HB one, uh, because truthfully, if they pass HB one, they don't have to worry about Republicans ever getting a, mm-hmm. um, 
a, a majority again. I don't. Yeah. I don't see it happening. They're, if they're one passes. They're over, there should be no reason that the Republicans are within ten seats of the House. Think about it. I mean, like, there's more people in D.C. than there is in Wyoming, Montana, Idaho. There's more people in that one space than it is in the whole states. Why, why do the Why do the Republicans still have? Because of gerrymandering. Because of gerrymandering, right? Now the Senate is another is another beast. Now I don't know if they'll blow it up with the filibuster, but I think if the Repub- if the if the Democrats cannot grow a spine and get this Voting Rights Act passed, it's over. It's over. The Republicans will take the House in the midterm. They will take the Senate the next time around. They will restrict voting to its utmost limited, and they will take the presidency. And we will never have another majority Democrat. House, Senate, and, or Democrat in, in the White House for the foreseeable future. Your, our children, our children's children will never see another Democrat in that White House. Wow. And it could happen. Yeah, think about, think about after Reconstruction. <laughs> after Reconstruction, mm-hmm. uh, we had black people who were elected to the Congress, to the Senate, and after they bailed on Reconstruction, it was a century. We lost a century. Of of you know of 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 a political representation, a century. So like the the idea from nineteen from eighteen sixties to nineteen sixty five voting rights act, we lost a century of representation. And if you don't think that could suddenly happen again, then you're you're I believe you are mistaken because the Republicans don't give a shit. They have proven to not give a shit. <laughs> Mitch McConnell said we can't appoint have hearings. We can't have hearings on the Supreme Court justice. Because it's eight months before an election, but they seated one 30 days before an election. He gives no shit. <laughs> he don't give a shit. He don't give a shit what you think about him. He don't give a shit about being a hypocrite. He is one of the greatest politicians in modern yeah. history. Because he, because he, yeah. he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Because he doesn't give a shit. And he never loses. That's what happens when you gerrymander. That's what happens when you gerrymander. And, he knows and you game. know that you aren't losing your seat. He knows he the game. He plays shit. the game. The way he <laughs> plays the game the way it should be played in this situation. We're he trying to do what's right, he and he's going to do what's going to win. He plays the game raw. This <laughs> <laughs> McConnell plays the game raw. He does not give a shit. He's a heel. Like if this was wrestling, he would be the heel that nobody could beat. That would be the people's champ. That will be four times. Have all the belts? Like he doesn't yeah, care. And, and steady, and steady. We got some. Yeah. Uh, we need, we need to get a shirt pants. with Mitch on it that say "Don't play, hate the player, hate the game." Like he he is the player. Like Mitch McConnell oh, give a 100%. shit, bro. Mitch McConnell give a <laughs> shit. Mitch McConnell when 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 Mitch McConnell was blocking everything when Obama was there. Harry Reid said, "You know, we got to get rid of the filibuster because you won't let us get shit done. We gonna get rid of the filibuster." For everything except Supreme Court nominations. Right? They were like, okay, okay. Soon as Trump got in, they got rid of that shit for Supreme Court nominations. Mitch McConnell don't give a That's why I feel like, you know, they, they can't, you can't worry about what Mitch McConnell threaten you with. Because he's going to do it anyway. <laughs> he's going to do it. He's gonna, it's, that man has no restraint. He's going to do yeah. it anyway. So if he says, oh, if you get rid of Philip we're going to do this, that, and the other, we're like, yeah, we know. And he's even more dangerous after Trump. He's even more dangerous after Trump because nothing's going to be as polarizing as Trump. You know, like Trump did what Mm -hmm. Mitch did, but he did it. He wasn't as intelligent and he was too wild with it. Mitch is going to do what he wants to do. 
but it all is going to seem just it's, it's not as big of a deal because you, it's better than what we had. That 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 whole theory. At least he's not Trump. He plays the game well. No, no. Mitch is a hero. The biggest, the biggest threat. The biggest threat is somebody like Josh Howley or Ted Cruz coming in on that Trump who actually are competent individuals who are actually Harvard trained, Stanford lawyer, Harvard trained, like competent individuals who are coming into this Trump uh, aristocracy or Trump regime or, or, you know, Trump, you know, like, like legacy of presidents doing that authoritarian stuff, but actually know what they are doing. Yeah. And yeah. so being you know, able to Trump, hide their yeah, hand, Trump, being able to yeah, move smarter. Yeah. yeah, Trump was caught every time he did something. Like every time that man did something, he got caught. Like he, he was like he was like a person who's really bad at like cheating on their spouse, right? Like every time you know, <laughs> he got phone numbers in his pocket. He got, you know, people calling his phone, house phone, and people stopping by his house and job. He just he was like that, like a person that's very bad at cheating on their spouse. And like he got caught all the time. That's not but gonna he, happen if you get a Josh Hawley or but a shaggy there. It wasn't me the whole time. Like yeah. he, none of that shit mattered. He yeah, did all that shit, and none of it mattered. It, 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 it didn't be matter twice. because, yeah, but it didn't matter because the Republicans were unwilling to hold one of their own accountable. They were completely unwilling, and so he he could have literally, like he said, hit somebody with a baseball bat, and they would have been like, hmm. you know, <laughs> don't get too close to the president. Don't get baseball bat length. You know, it's in it's the Constitution. All, it's all optics. Yes, they all optics. Bat away. Now, anything less is civilized. Anything yeah. less of Trump is civilized. So he set the bar so high or low, however you want to put it, that anything you do, just don't just don't trump this. That's kind of the thing. Don't, don't trump, trump this. Trump. If you don't trump Trump. <laughs> yeah, but like you were talking about norms, I think that pushed the norms so far askew that the norm is now don't let this get any less than how Trump had it. Don't let this get any less ridiculous in, in my in my view than how Trump was. Because I thought that once he got out, there would be like a settling and a normalization. That has not happened. <laughs> that has not happened at all. The people, these people have stayed on 10, you know, this entire for, for the for the last couple months. You know, who knows what happened in August, but there has been no slowing down of uh, uh of the former regime saying the election is stolen there has been no slowing down of any any kind of ridiculous you know the ridiculousness they were on so i think he, i think uh, for uh, the first point they have pushed the norm to a point where they can't come back and to come back from the trump norm is to be a rhino a traitor uh, uh, you know, against the constitution or whatever, you know, and, you know, is it, it, it <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like everybody, you know, those like Under Armour t-shirts that have like USA with the stars all around it. And they got the flag on the arm, like you served in the military. It's like everybody in the, in the Republican party got the new, you know, Under Armour white supremacy fit. And so they gotta, they gotta all wear it and it's everywhere they go. So people can see they wearing it. They got to they got to perform this ridiculous, uh, you know, you know, play, because if they don't, somebody who will will take their job. Well, Brandon, I enjoyed you as usual. Having you on, bro. You are a smart mother. Um, Rizy, don't edit that out. Just let it be. <laughs> got to keep the kids in mind. Got to keep the kids. <laughs> OK. <laughs>
They keep me in check. But I appreciate it, bro. We're going to have to have you back very soon. Congratulations on the nuptials. I mean, the, the future nuptials again. Fellas, uh, let's go ahead and close it out. What you got? What you got on your mind? Ah, what do you have on your mind? <laughs> um, the only thing I got is the whole HB one thing. Um, uh, it, it kind of is pointless here in Alabama, but if you are in any state that does have uh, any uh, senators that may be swayed by calls, emails, or anything like that, tell them to go, go make the call. And do what you can to let them know that you support HB1 uh, and that you want to get that uh, through and whatever it takes to get that through that you support that. So do that for us. Uh, help us get through that so that we can actually get some type of Voting Rights Act uh, back in place. Uh, and then we can fight back on some of these racist bills, because that's really what they are. These state bills are racist as I don't know what. And uh, we need to get them out. Um, They're so only racist do in that context. For us, and then. Huh? They're only racist in context. That's how they're defending them. They're defending and no, saying if you take they're it, they're racist. That, if, that's I know, I get it. Yeah, yeah. It, what they're saying, yeah, they're saying it's racist in context when you don't know the whole context. But like Brandon mm-hmm. just explained all of it, uh, and and it, it's even more racist now that I've listened to Brandon about it. So <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's extra racist now. Like he was like, you know what? Here's some whipped cream on top of the racist <laughs> Sunday. So yeah, go out, talk to your senators, t- talk to your Congress people. Uh, tell them whatever we need to do to make this thing happen, make it happen. But uh, we need to get HB1 through. That's all I got, man. Uh, nothing from me, man. I just enjoy having Brandon on. Learned a lot as usual, especially about that Georgia law and some of the details in it. Uh, so especially like with the secretary of the state not being over the vote anymore. That's that's huge, yeah. man. So it's always good to have smart people on, man. So I just appreciate you coming on. Yeah, anytime, man. Thank you. You got any important words, Brandon? Uh, you mentioned a book. Did you want to pull up that book again? Uh, man, it's probably it's probably not. Uh, no, nah, I, I would say uh, saying this, but like uh, a lot of the pushback from the uh, corporations not you know speaking out against this bill, the Republicans are calling cancel culture, and now there are a lot of problems with cancel culture. But you can't be free market and be mad that when people movers in the market make free choices, and so. Don't be, uh, you know, don't jump onto that or believing that corporations that make decisions, right, to not support this or that is somehow a product of cancel culture. It's ridiculous. It's just it, it, Republicans have taken cancel culture and turned it into a talking point, And we have to push back against that. All righty. Uh, appreciate that. I'm going to leave with this. Uh, want to have a moment of silence for. Uh, the fallen officers. I don't want you guys to think we are. We hate police. Was that last week at the Capitol? We had one officer seriously injured and one officer uh, that was killed during a recent attack on the Capitol. So my prayers go out to them and their families, Buff, you and your family mm-hmm. and the rest of your team out there, because I know. I mean, it's just it's a lot going on and in no way are we trying to incite harm or change your mind. We just want to make people aware we're not against police. We're just, a, we just want better policing. We want better uh, justice, but anytime a life is lost, a life is lost. So uh, want to say that. And once again, Brandon, appreciate you coming on three brothers. No sense. Listen, like, share, subscribe, comment, and most importantly, listen again, talk to you next week.